Class is in session. You're listening to Squat University by Dr. Aaron Horshay. Let's go! Now, let's start the show. Podcast listeners, thank you so much for checking out today's show. This is episode 23 of the Squat University podcast. The goal with each and every one of these shows is to bring you as much value-packed content to help you move better in the gym and in life, decrease your body's aches and pains, and help you reach your true athletic potential. Today, we're going to continue our previous topic on hip pain when lifting. Now, a few episodes back, I talked about how you can easily screen your groin pain. This is one of the most common forms of hip pain that we have as weightlifters, powerlifters, and crossfitters. Now, I shared some simple tests that you can easily do on home or at home with yourself or with a friend to determine if you're experiencing either a hip flexor strain, a hip impingement, or an adductor strain, which is commonly referred to as just a groin strain. Now, I want to kickstart the episodes on fixing these injuries by going over hip impingements. Now, if you've ever experienced a hip impingement, also called FAI or femoral acetabular impingement, it's an injury that feels like a pinch on the front side of your hip, usually when you move into a deep squat. Now, this is definitely something that I've dealt with before in my past as a weightlifter. Um, So as we go through today's content, I will try to interject a few of my personal experiences with this injury that I found helpful in the rehab process. So let's start by talking about why hip impingements occur. So I guess we'll call this uh, injury anatomy 101 for hip impingements. As you squat, your femur rotates inside the hip joint. Now, for those of you uh, with normal textbook anatomy, uh, the femur, your thigh bone, always maintains a little space, very small space, about nine millimeters, from the front rim of your hip socket. So whenever you're going down into a squat, your thigh bone, uh, it's like a ball, it's going to rotate inside the joint, but it's never going to really hit the front of the socket. However, if the femur does come in contact with the front side of the socket, which is called your acetabulum, two things can happen. The first is it creates this pinching sensation that's referred to as impingement. Um, And basically, as an attempt to avoid this, the body can also, the second thing it can do, is it can decide to work around that impingement and it will compensate by rotating the entire pelvis under the body. This is what causes the buzzword almost all of you have probably heard about before, which is butt wink. So basically, it's just an excessive backward or posterior tilt of the entire pelvis to basically work around not impinging on yourself at the hip joint. Now, when we're talking about normal textbook anatomy, the hip socket is considered, like I said, a ball in socket joint. The femur, your thigh bone, rotates in the socket as the thigh moves. However, just as with other parts of the body, there's often a big degree of anatomical variation from person to person. Simply put, not everyone has textbook anatomy bone structure, um, especially when it comes to the hip joint. Changes in the way that our bones align can actually lead to this blockage or impingement of movement um, earlier in certain parts of the squat. So, for example, if we look at the pelvis, we find that some people have hip sockets that open more to the side or are angled more to the side um, or more at a forward angle towards the front side of the body. 
A hip socket that opens more laterally to the side is called acetabular retroversion. And this creates uh, more coverage basically on the front side of the femur, the ball, which can therefore lead to an early hip impingement uh, between these two bones in the bottom of a deep squat. So the shape and alignment of the femur as it connects to the pelvis creates either an ability to impinge or not impinge. So your anatomy plays such a big role. For example, another example at least, um, some of us have femurs that are twisted slightly forwards or backwards. So we talked about introverted and retroverted hip sockets. You can also have an introverted or retroverted uh, femur basically. The more flattened angle of the femur as it connects to the pelvis is retroversion. The more uh, angled is antiversion. Research has shown that a retroverted femur especially can often increase pressure at the front of the hip joint with certain movements and cause impingement. Now, obviously, that's a lot of anatomy that is is can be very confusing for some people. The big thing you need to understand is that not everyone has this textbook anatomy, and based on the way that your body was built the bone structure that you have may lead to an earlier or an easier inclination to having a hip impingement. Not everyone is built the exact same. That makes sense. So not everyone has the same ability to move through full ranges the exact same way. So getting to know your anatomy, let's talk about this next. We can screen your anatomy to find out if you have this sort of different type of anatomy um, by just first looking at your body the way that you stand. So just, you know, the next time you're looking at your body in the mirror or you're observing your friend the way they're standing, have them stand about, you know, shoulder width stance and just look at the position of the feet and the way the toes are pointing. Some people will assume this sort of duck stance where the toes are pointed out or exaggerated um, out to the side. And that is sometimes um, something that we find with those who have retroversion of either the femur or the hip socket. So basically the way that the bones are formed, they're more angled back and out to the side. Those people sometimes stand with uh, a more toed out angle or that duck stance basically. And this position feels normal because of their anatomy. It gives them that appearance that they have a lot of external rotation when really it's just the way that their bones are formed. Um, this position for those people isn't necessarily due to limited mobility or flexibility, but it's because their bones have shaped that way. So that is their normal. However, obviously, we can't just stop our evaluation there and just say, well, everyone that uh, stands with toes out, you just all have retroversion. We can't just do that uh, because obviously the toes out can certainly be a sign of poor mobility at either the ankles or the hips, just poor strength and stability. So it gives us an insight to go, huh, maybe that's why that person has a hip impingement is because they're standing like that because their bones are shaped that way. So it gives us just one piece of of a clue to the puzzle. There will always be those who will not have that excessive toe out position and they'll still have a hip impingement. So obviously, like I said, it's a piece to our puzzle in our evaluation process. Then we need to take it one step further and do some more physical screening. A test you can easily perform at home, and I've talked about this before on other podcasts, is called Craig's Test. Now, I'm going to talk about the description real uh, briefly here. If this description that I give you does not paint the most beautiful picture in the world, I want you to go on YouTube, squatuniversity.com. You can just type in Craig's Test. 
And I have a video there that will explain how to do this a little bit easier. So basically what you're going to do is you're going to lie on your stomach and your knees are going to be bent to about 90 degrees. You're going to have a friend take their hand and put it on the side of your hip and they're going to feel where the notch of your femur called your greater trochanter is located on the side of your hip. Basically, this is a big bone that's going to stick out the most bony notch on the side of your hip. They're going to feel for that. With their other hand, they're going to start rotating your ankle in and out. So your lower leg, the one that's pointed vertical, they're then going to rotate it in and out. And with their other hand, they're feeling for what's going on at that greater trochanter, that notch. As the leg rotates, that person, your friend, is going to begin to notice that that notch that they're feeling for, your greater trochanter, is going to become more or less prominent based on the position of your leg because they're rotating your leg in the socket. They're going to stop moving that lower leg when they find that that bony notch is most prominent into their hand, when it's the most lateral. Now, you're going to look from the back view then, where did your leg end up? Now, normal textbook anatomy will leave the lower leg pointed slightly away from the body, like 10 to 15 degrees. This is a couple inches, I guess, away from vertical is a good way to think about it. This is a normal anatomy. If someone has their lower leg pointed directly vertical or angled slightly in towards the body, they have a retroverted femur. This method of assessing hip anatomy, called Craig's test again, is actually shown to be extremely reliable and sometimes even better than just taking an x-ray. So it's extremely helpful at allowing us to understand and giving us a good physical picture of that person's anatomy and how it's going to relate to the way in which they move. Now, we can also perform a test to give us a better understanding of the position of your hip socket. So what you're going to do, you can almost do this one by yourself too. Start by laying on your back and you're going to bring your knee all the way in line towards um, your shoulder. How far can you move your thigh towards your shoulder without feeling that blocked sensation in the front of your hip? Next, perform the same movement, but allow your thigh to sort of move out to the side of your body, so away from the midline of your chest, and you can rotate your foot in a little bit. So this is sort of an externally rotated position. See how far now you can bring your knee vertical or towards your head. Some people are going to be able to move their knee further towards their shoulder with less blocked or pin sensation in the front of their hip because they have changed the way that their uh, femur is coming into contact in their acetabulum or their hip socket. So those with retroverted hip sockets usually will be able to bring their knee closer towards their head with the knee sort of out to the side, not as in towards their chest. Okay, so there's the testing. Now let's talk about how do we fix this. Now, if you have a hip impingement and you found it to be related to your anatomy with both of those tests, um, you have two basically non-surgical options to decrease your pain if this is a, something that you've been dealing with for a long time. You've had a hip impingement. You've had a lot of pain in the front of your hip. Here's two non-surgical options that your doctor may not have talked to you about. Uh, the first is just changing your stance. And the second is going to be in trying to improve hip capsule mobility. So let's talk about both those. First, stance considerations. Now, while most people should be capable of performing a bodyweight squat with their toes relatively straightforward, this is something I preach. Remember, relatively straightforward is not perfectly straightforward. It's about a five to seven degree of toe at angle. That does not apply to everyone. It's a general guideline. 
if you suspect that your body has this impingement, it's going to be normal for you to have a little bit more of an exaggerated toe and angle, sometimes up to like 30 degrees when you squat in order to allow more freedom of movement for your femur in the hip socket with less chance of it coming into contact. So changing your stance can allow you to have a different feeling in your hip and a different freedom of movement. So if you found a possible retroverted hip socket or femur with those two tests, try this simple test. So do a bodyweight squat and have your toes relatively straightforward. Squat down as deep as you can. Next, point your toes out a little bit more, maybe 30 degrees of a toe and perform that same squat. What did you feel? People that have often a retroverted hip will feel uncomfortable and maybe even painful in the front side of their hips, and they won't be able to squat as deep and have their chest as upright because of the way that their bones are coming into contact with each other. Now, what this means is that your body has a bone structure that does not allow for a straightforward foot squat. It is normal. It is natural for your body to squat with a toed out angle in no amount of mobility work will allow you to squat with that perfect straightforward foot. So understanding that your anatomy can play a large role in the way in which you are squatting to allow you to feel well and perform to your greatest capabilities is all about first understanding your anatomy. So let's talk next about what we can do outside of changing your stance. Uh, The second thing is improving your hip capsule mobility with some bandage joint mobilizations. Now, While we cannot change your bony anatomy short of surgery, we can hope to improve the mobility of the tissues that surround your hip joint, and it's called your hip capsule. Uh, Most researchers believe that those with hip impingements may also have restrictions in the lateral and posterior portions of the capsule fibers. Now, what the heck is your hip capsule? I want you to think of your hip capsule as like a thick glove that covers your joint. And as your joint moves, that capsule sort of moves with it. So if you develop stiffness in certain portions of the capsule due to a variety of reasons, uh, you know, the, the capsule receives forces and stresses on it during all the things that you do throughout the day, whether that's sitting for a long time, a lot of lifting, the type of lifting you're doing, the stresses that you're placing on it, if you're just squatting, if you're maybe doing some lateral work, all those different types of stresses throughout your day and your training affect the hip capsule just like it affects the tissues of your muscles. So the tissues of the capsule, it's thought that they can also develop compensations and develop restrictions, which will then obviously, like a really tight glove around the joint, can affect the way in which the joint moves. So there's a couple of mobilizations that we can do to affect those often stiff capsule uh, fibers of the posterior and the lateral. So two different parts. Uh, the first is a lateral banded joint mobilization. Now, again, just like Craig's test, if the description in which I'm painting for these exercises, it's just not coming out. Um, go on YouTube, Squat University, uh, banded joint mobilizations. There should be some good visuals there for you. Basically, you're going to get a long resistance band and you're going to place it around your thigh as high as you can get it up towards the inner groin. You're going to get a ton of pressure on the band as you assume like a lunging position and the band is going to be lateral. So it's pulling lateral. Once you're in that lunge position, you're going to have um, the band pulling away. You're then going to move your knee across your body and out to the side. And if you're doing this correctly, it's going to basically be gapping your joint laterally. So you may feel a little stretch in the lateral hip. 
But the big thing I like to do with this to show you if this is correct for your body is first I want you to do this lunge where you're then moving your forward knee in. I want you to do that without the band. So get in a deep lunge position. You're going to take your forward knee. So let's say your right knee is forward. You're in a lunge position. Usually this movement, if you have hip impingement, will create that impingement. You're going to take your right knee and just jam it in. Cave your knee in. Did you feel a hip impingement? If yes, now get that band across your thigh pulling laterally. Get it a ton of stiffness on that band, a ton of pull. Get back in that same lunge position and do that same movement where you're pushing your knee in towards the middle line of your body. What do you feel? If that band is pulling hard enough and if you have restricted lateral hip capsule fibers, that new motion that you have will not create impingement. And that's showing you that this banded joint mobilization is right for your body. So usually like that, I will push the hip in, push it out. Now do that maybe for uh, one to two minutes. Again, I'm always going to, once I'm done with these hip joint mobilizations, I'm then going to get out of the band and I'm going to retest my squat. You always have to use a test and then retest method when you're doing mobilizations like this to find out if it's right for your body because the last thing I wanna do is walk into a gym and see 20 people lined up doing banded joint mobilizations because maybe only two people need that. You need to find the type of mobility exercises that are right for your body. I've seen as a physical therapist many people with uh, FAI, this hip impingement, and different mobilizations work for different people. So there's no reason to perform a mobilization if it's not doing anything for your body. You're just wasting your time. So always retest your squat after doing this. Did you feel any change? If you did, you're on the right path, and that should be something you need to add in to your warm-ups for a while to improve your hip joint mobility. Now, again, eventually this is something you're not going to need to do anymore for some people. You're going to get to the point where you've improved your hip joint mobility because of improving the lateral stiff fibers of your hip capsule. You're going to get under a squat, and you're going to go, Oh, I don't feel that pinch anymore. You don't then need to keep on doing the banded joint mobilization. It's a tool to keep in your toolbox, but... You don't need to always take it out. Take it out when you need that tool. Um, another thing people ask is what are the best bands for this? Um, I show a number of different type of bands on um, the different videos I show on Instagram or on YouTube. I don't, I'm not really sold on one particular type of brand. I don't want to try to sell any of you guys on something that you don't necessarily need. There's a lot of bands out there. I do know roguefitness.com makes a good band called a monster band. Um, usually it's about two and a half, three inches thick. You don't want to get one too tiny. You also don't want to get one too thick for a hip joint mobilization. Um, you can go on performbetter.com. I think they have also a thick band like that. Usually the thicker bands are going to be darker colored. So a black band is going to be thicker than a green band as far as the amount of tension you can use. And a hip joint mobilization requires a lot of tension in order to impact how the joint is physically moving. So we can't use a very light resistance band to do these. So those are some different options options. Again, if you have any questions on these, email me squatuniversity at gmail.com. I'm happy to answer all the questions. But again, I'm not going to try to sell you on one specific brand uh, of something. You need to work on and find what's right for your budget and uh, that's still going to be efficient for your body. The next one you can do after the lunging one is you can then take that knee that's in front of your body and you can just jam it right into the ground. So your knee and thigh are gonna be at 90 degrees. And in that position, you're then going to rock your hip in and out. This is for the posterior fibers. Again, it's a little hard to demonstrate or talk about over uh, podcasts, but again, go on YouTube and you can see all these stretches. 
But basically, we can do different joint mobilizations in order to impact the stiffness that we have at different parts of our hip joint capsule, which can then create a little bit more movement for the body and allow the femur to rotate less impinged in the hip socket and less chance of um, that impingement. Now, that's obviously talking about things you can do with a band. Another stretch you can do that some people believe will be able to still hit the posterior hip capsules without a band is called a pigeon stretch. Uh, You can find a high bench or a bed and place your leg on top and basically externally rotate it so your leg's going to be up and over, your foot's going to be on the inside of your body, knee's going to be the outside of the body, and then you can just lean your torso and just sort of drop your hip. Um, and you'll feel a really good stretch in your lower hip. Uh, Make sure with all these that you're not putting your upper body also into a bad position. You don't want to round your back while you're doing this. Even though we're doing this stretch for your hip, the last thing I want to see is someone mobilize in a bad position. We always want to make sure that we're still in good, uh, a good body mechanic position when we're doing these different things. A lot of these stretches for the pigeon stretch, I like doing three for 30 seconds or so on each side. Um, if you don't have uh, access to the ground or to a table, you can also do this on the ground. But um, if you don't have a good picture of what I just demonstrated or talked about, Google pigeon stretch poster hip capsule stretch. That'll give you a good thing. Now, the last thing to consider is that another reason for hip impingements, for those that may not even have that uh, retroversion or antiversion, a different type of textbook anatomy, is a lot of people can develop hip impingements because of an issue in strength and stability of the hip muscles that surround the joint, particularly the glute medius. Now, if you remember back to the podcast I did, and this was a couple weeks ago, on the glute medius muscle, which is basically a small but very important muscle on your lateral hip, part of its role is to keep the femur ball, the head of the femur, centered in the hip socket as it moves. Basically, the glute medius acts like the rotator cuff of the shoulder in that its main job is to maintain joint stability. So if the muscle isn't working well, the ball of the femur can start to move around the hip socket more than it should, and it can easily smash into the front side of the socket as you squat down. Um, A great exercise that I've been doing recently during the rehab process with patients and with myself in dealing with this is called the hip airplane, or I like to call it just the tippy bird. And this was an exercise that was designed by Dr. Stuart McGill, who is a renowned back expert. Um, And I've shared a lot of his stuff, especially the McGill Big Three, a lot of his understanding on how to screen the low back. And he teaches the hip airplane as a way to teach your body how to actively control your glute muscles through a full range of motion, through a concept he calls steering your strength. Basically, this is what you're going to do. You're going to get on one leg and you're locked your rib cage down so don't uh, overarch your back, brace your core. You're going to rotate your entire body forward um, over your stance leg. So let's say standing on your right leg, from your head to your left toe, you want to create a straight line. You're then going to act like your hip joint is the fulcrum, the middle of a teeter-totter, and you're just going to tip over, basically. So your right leg stays straight, your uh, left leg to your head is now straight, and you're sort of tipping over like a teeter-totter. You don't need to go over all the way, but you're going to go over pretty far into the point where you are feeling your glutes kick on, your right glute, and you're maintaining your balance. From that position, you're then going to rotate your torso over your right hip joint 
uh, external rotation and internal rotation. So you're basically going to assume like a balanced position and then you're going to rotate like you're an airplane that's going side to side. You're tipping left, you're tipping right, and then you come back up. What that's doing is it's creating that movement by allowing all those muscles that surround your hip, especially your glute medius, they have to control your pelvic position. One uh, cue that I like to use for this is that when you're in that bent over position, you're going to think about twisting with your belly button and your pelvis all in one sort of uniform uh, motion. You don't want this motion to only come from the arms or only come from the legs. So the whole pelvis has to twist. This is going to give you a crazy amount of control over your hip. And for those people who have developed a hip impingement due to a weak or poorly coordinated glute medius, this is going to be a game changer. Um, especially on myself, I think one of the reasons I developed a hip impingement wasn't because of a limitation in my anatomy. I didn't have a crazy amount of femoral retroversion or antiversion. Um, my bones are relatively, I guess, normal anatomy. But the one thing that I did have, I think, was was a poorly coordinated uh, glute medius. Despite all the different things that we may do, corrective exercises, our body sometimes uh, likes to break down. And the point of being an athlete and all the things that I share with Squaw University is when that does happen, here's some tools for your toolbox to take out so that you can get back on track and continue your training uh, without having to take those small injuries and aches and pains that we all have and turn it into a big injury. So um, in my own search for creating um, you know, that return back to my sport as quickly as possible. I found that this hip airplane was one of the best exercises in allowing that by basically teaching my body how to control for that joint. And this is something that I did almost every single day and eventually was very helpful at clearing up my issue. I didn't find any significant relief with bandage joint mobilizations. It wasn't until I did these hip airplanes that I really found some significant change. So, uh, final thoughts. Um, first, a word on those who have developed this hip impingement. Due to trying to conform to an ideal squat stance, their coach is preaching when they have a different type of anatomy. Not everyone has a textbook bone structure. And trying to conform to a back squat or a, any type of squat stance that isn't right for your body can be disastrous. If you have a hard blocking sensation or a pinching pain in the front of your hips when lifting, this is your body trying to tell you to move differently. Listen to it. Use those cues, those tests I shared earlier on Craig's test or the other one uh, where you're laying on your back and find out if your body has a different type of anatomy because trying to conform to something that isn't right for your body will always lead you down the wrong path. Just because, though, you didn't hit the genetic lottery with getting perfect hip anatomy does not mean they should just hang up your weightlifting shoes and quit training altogether. What you need to understand is that your body just requires a different type of technique and some mobility modifications in order for you to stay pain-free. If your pain continues, however, or persists or worsens um, with all these different clues that I gave today and the different things that I share in squatuniversity.com, I highly recommend do seek out a medical doctor or sports physical therapist or a chiropractor that understands how to you know, direct their treatment towards the athlete from a movement perspective so that you can truly get relief and return to the sport you love.
Um, again, thank you so much for listening to today's podcast. It means the world to me to have your attention for this very short time. I hope you enjoyed the show. On uh, obviously, this one was on one of the fixes for growing pain. We'll start doing a couple more in the next few. If you enjoyed this show, uh, please continue to take screenshots of it on your phones and share it over Instagram and Twitter. I love seeing those in the stories. Uh, please keep tagging me in them so I can personally reach out to you and say thank you. Um, I hope that you have a great rest of your day and you crush your next workout. Until next week, guys, happy squatting. That's it for today, class, on Squat University by Dr. Aaron Horshig. For more exclusive content, log on to squatuniversity.com.